the business is taking care of its people, it will take care, they will take care of the customer. So how do we do that? Welcome to Ultra Habits. Here, we go under the hood with our guests to unpack the minutiae and to understand what processes and systems they engage or research that result in ultra-enhanced living. Hey guys, it's RJ Singh here from Ultra Habits, and we are at episode five, season two, and we are bringing to you Jackie Scammell. Now, Jackie runs an organization here in Melbourne called Service Q, where she helps organizations and their leaders to adapt a service mindset. Now, what we mean by this is she's helping companies develop systems and processes that help them interact and better serve their customers. Now, here's the brilliant thing. Jackie then supports this training with actionable habits that reinforce this behavior into the very DNA of organizations. It was something that I had to have to unpack with her on the show when I learned that her work actually existed. So we see habits coming in the form of personal habits, but what Jackie is saying is that you can actually embed these habits within an organization to help better serve your customers. It's an episode for you leaders out there or anyone running a team that is interacting with customers because understand this, our ability to understand and serve our customers better will ultimately help us create and win in the marketplace. Anyways, I'll leave you in the capable hands of Jackie. Hope you enjoy the show. As always, please leave us a review at Rate This Podcast. And if you haven't, go to the website, and sign up for cool stuff that we're doing. You'll be informed and you'll be in the know. Anyways, guys, we're out of here. Peace. Jackie, thanks for joining us on season two of Ultra Habits. So what we're trying to do this season is not only focus on personal habits, but start to really look at habits that are more orientated towards organizations and other ecosystems, right? So like there's personal habits, but we recognize as well, there's organizational habits, and we really want to focus more on that in this season. So I was in a airport in Newcastle. It was like six in the morning. I look at the wall and there's Jackie Scammell and her book. And I'm like, who the hell is she? And, you know, this service habits. And I was like, wow, what a great concept and, and what a great idea. So Jackie, maybe you can quickly jump into your background and what actually inspired you to take on this, um, I guess, this this cause of helping organizations develop better habits within their service delivery. Yeah, for sure. Great to be here, RJ, talking about a topic I, yeah. I love. Yeah. So my background was very much in large organizations where we were we were working in big stadiums, um, major events and sporting events across Australia and England. And I had these big teams, right, like thousands of staff that were serving thousands of customers. And over the years, I, I realised that, you know, customer service is really simple, but it's, it's the human behaviour piece that makes it a little bit complicated or inconsistent. And the more I operationalised customer service in these big teams with thousands of customers at all these events, I realised that it was people's habits, that their day-to-day behaviours that actually defined customer service. 
So over the last nine years, I've been dedicating my work to helping organisations get that consistency in customer service. And it's not steps of service or sequence of service like what I learned and potentially was brainwashed with back in the 80s with the McDonald's system. (laughs) But it's about people being consciously aware of how they show up and those tiny little habits that they bring to the workplace, in particular when they're interacting with another human. And so when I published my second book, Service Habits, I really wanted to make it easy and accessible for anyone in any industry, B2B, B2C, and realise that, you know, when we're present and consciously aware of who we're being in each and every ordinary moment of the day, then we've got an opportunity to look at our our habits, the ones that limit us and the ones that really um, propel us to succeed in what, what, what I believe is really important, which is that the relationships in business. So that's kind of how the journey started and, um, yeah, really keen to unpack that a bit with you. Yeah, for sure. So uh, it's quite uh, the timing of this conversation is interesting because within my business, Cora, we've hired a new uh, customer service manager. You know, she's come from a bigger kind of industry and best practice. And her and I were having a conversation yesterday around how, we have kind of these pockets of brilliance. We've had like two people within the customer service team that are just brilliant. And then this kind of revolving door with everyone else. And we also talked about how within our business, cause we're a small business. There's like two, almost two different rhythms. There's the commercial team. There's all of us that kind of operate on our own clock. And then there's customer service. That's like, they're always under the pump and in logistics, especially uh, which I'm, I'm, in the logistics industry in terms of Cora, it's just never ending. It's thankless. How do you think customer service, in terms of customer service, how do you find it's different and uh, the challenges that operate within that environment, other functions within an organization? Why do you think habits are so critical when it comes to customer service? Yeah. So, I guess one of the things that we always talk about right up front with clients is, you know, who are the customers? Um, There's often a lot of mindsets within employees that are in administration roles or um, behind the scenes or not directly impacting customers, but they might be impacting multiple employees that impact customers that come to work with a belief that they don't do customer service and they don't serve customers. And so right up front, we address that conversation because the end of the day, the customer is internal, external, stakeholders, suppliers. And sometimes we even encourage to drop the word customer and just look at service. How do we serve? How do we serve each other? How do we serve anyone that touches our business, our brand, our products, our services? And then once we address that mindset and that belief and we realise that at the end of the day, if you're in if you're in business, you're in the business of relationships, which which means you're in the business of service. Then everyone's on the journey, right? And then there's a whole business approach. And so, for sure, what you say typically, customer service employees, people that are at the front line, you know, call centres, people that are dealing day in day out with, you know, responding first call responses, responding to needs and challenges that come up. Um, 
I reckon there is a there is definitely definitely a different tension for those people in a day. And you know, we used to get taught back in the eighties and the nineties in the McDonald's system that you're you're on stage. It's a performance. And that's a useful belief until it's not. And so one of the things that we really encourage is for people to give a hundred percent each time. And so this is where the practice of mindfulness, the practice of being present, the practice of self-regulation, managing your energy, managing your stress responses become paramount, particularly for people that are serving literally many, many tens, if not hundreds, in my case, sometimes thousands of customers a day in some of the in some of the um, places that I worked years ago. And so it's about managing yourself and knowing that in this moment, this human, this customer, this person that's here to receive said product or service from me, they need to feel like the most important person right now. They need to feel like they matter. So what do I need to do as the person on the other end of the phone or the other end of the email or the other person on the other side of the counter to make them feel that? And so this is where service habits becomes so interesting because we've got to become aware of who we're being how we're showing up and not just on a Monday at eight o'clock in the morning or on a Friday at five o'clock in the afternoon, but in every moment that we interact with another human. So I guess the, the two key points there is firstly, my belief is that we all serve and we're all in service. And I think that's a useful belief if we want to bring our best professional self to a workplace. And secondly, Customer service is, is less about what we're doing externally and more about who are we being in each and every moment. And so I reckon the cultures that really nail customer service are the cultures that the way people treat each other internally in a workplace is actually who they're being in each and every moment. And it's a, it's a mirror. It's a reflection of how they treat their paying customers. Yeah, that's really interesting because what I'm hearing from you is that, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I would imagine, I would speculate that customer service numbers are in terms of the uh, turnover of staff are quite high throughout different industries. And I would imagine a large part of that is due to stress and a lack of ability to cope. So what you're saying is a shift initially needs to be internal right and getting the parts and minds right of your staff first before then focusing external and the other thing i'm hearing you say is that and i 100 percent agree with this is that a lot of the times in firms internally facing roles are like well that's not my job the customer dealing with it and what you're saying is no, ultimately we're all in the business of business and everyone needs to have the attitude of service, whether internal, external stakeholders, right? Spot on. And you know, the first habit we teach is choose to serve. And it's all about beliefs and mindset that when we, when we work with humans, we're not robots. We, we're, we're, we're employed to bring our human qualities to the workplace the head and the heart, then the first habit is choose to serve. What mindset, what belief, what attitude are you bringing today? 
and let's and let's build muscle around um, strengthening and developing that to best serve you first, so then you can show up and bring your best self to others. Mm. It's interesting because my observation of customer service and people that are career customer service people is many times these are people that give themselves a lot to others. And I've observed in my journey that there tends to be a lack of self-care with high-performing customer service people. So can you wrap my head around how you actually engage that problem first? Because some of the best customer service operators I have seen have probably some of the worst self-care regimes. It's a role where you're sitting in a desk for a long time. People eat chocolate. They're looking for quick energy. Like, how do you manage that whole piece? Because I'm with you. The, the inner game is the first game. But how would you manage something like that where you go in and you're like, wow, these people are, there's potential, but they're just an unhealthy. I've got to get them to kind of, you know, they're not even at, at that place of uh, mindfulness or an ability to be there yet. Where and how do you manage that mm. piece? I, I love this question and it's it's a really, um, this is where we start actually, RJ. Um, this is absolutely where we start. You know, the, the two common problems that I'm hearing at the moment and the two requests I'm getting from a lot of clients is first of all, Jackie, we're seeing an increase in um, grumpy customers, stressed, stressed out customers, and we need to know how to manage that, you know, in a more resourceful way. But the flip side to that too, and this is the second request, is um, we need to know how to manage our stress more because our employees are really feeling it. And they too are coming to work feeling fatigued, stressed out, freaking out about uncertainty, and they're dealing with customers that are feeling the same. So there's this cycle, you know, and one of my philosophies is, is if a business is taking care of its people, it will take care, they will take care of the customer. So how do we do that? So, you know, if we strip this right back to a simple, a simple concept, one of my beliefs is that people that serve in extraordinary ways usually are extraordinarily present when they serve you. And that's something you can just feel. When you're on the receiving end of someone who is 100% giving you their undivided attention, they're listening they're asking questions, they're leaning into the conversation and you feel as the customer really seen, really heard and like what you're saying really matters. That to me is the best that you can achieve in customer service. Even if we don't get the solution that the customer wants, the process of feeling seen, heard and understood as a customer is like next level. That's the emotional connection that we're always trying to get with customer service. So if we stay with that concept of, okay, so I'm an employee, I'm stressed out, I'm, I'm under pressure, I'm tired, I'm grumpy, and I've got to interact with 20, 30, 50 people today. How do I manage myself so that I can stay present with their needs and do it in a way that is still taking care of myself to your point? And this is why the first seven habits that we teach, and we do it in a very intentional sequence, is all about self-awareness. 
and all about getting really clear on how you're feeling, what you're thinking, and some some really practical, tactical tips to help people stay in the moment and stay present throughout a whole day. One of the habits is actually meditate daily. And like we don't we don't apologize for that. We don't um, try and dress it up. We just say it as it is. Take five minutes, 10 minutes. That's enough. But something that allows you to regulate your nervous system, come back to a place of centeredness, of calm, whether it's in the morning, in your break, in the afternoon. And in fact, every one of our lessons, our masterclasses, we start with a few minutes of mindfulness and guided meditation just to build muscle and get people into the rhythm of you've got to take care of your mind as well as your body. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Self-care is, I think, about a third of the way through a program, we just then start talking about the customer. But for the first few months, all we talk about is how are you? How are you? What, what, what's going on for you? What's happening in your thoughts? What are you feeling today? And how do we move through this or work with it so we can show up and serve? Mm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's bang on. I mean, um, we as a leadership team at CORE are going through um, some leadership work with actually a friend of mine in a Australian um, high performance coach. Her name's Christina from Ignite Purpose, you two would get along quite well. And, you know, she's introduced things that are quite uh, interesting to some of my other leadership uh, team members, which, you know, uh, meditation before our sessions in, in meeting, uh, mindfulness before we actually go into content. Uh, you know, she's introducing Brene Brown, you know, to some of the guys around me, like it's going to be quite revolutionary, right? That's, you know, this, this, this kind of vulnerability. And I think that it is a more impactful way to approach our work when we're focused on the inner game first. And that then translates outwards to our colleagues and our customers. And there's a sustainability piece there. I think that you, you're, you're spot on with that. So it's, it's interesting because customer service, um, you know, I think, and especially here in Australia, my view is that we're not necessarily a service orientated culture. And that's why I think your work is very interesting. And I know you have a background from McDonald's and McDonald's is obviously from the United States, which is quite of a service-driven culture. It's, it's kind of part of the DNA of the way they do business. What are some of the challenges that you found when introducing these concepts to a culture which historically, and I'll be blunt, my view is that many businesses in Australia, and I don't know if it's cultural, I'm still trying to figure that out, but they kind of treat their customers as a burden or there's not a, a real come to serve ethos within the way we do business and the way we interact. How do you manage that piece, the whole cultural challenge within Australia with 
your message? And have you found that to be a challenge? You may not even think that's a challenge. I'm interested to get your take Mm. on that. I think when I'm on my soapbox about this topic, I see it as a challenge for sure. (laughs) And I, I think that, you know, having spent time in other countries, I definitely feel that um, we don't have that respect and love for customer service in this country the way I've seen it in other countries. And who knows where that's come from, if it's attached to, you know, um, our labour and the way we we pay people, if it's attached to um, some of our beliefs and conditioning around, you know, um, lower entry roles not being um, valued. I, I don't know. And I do see pockets where that's not the case. But I think, you know, if I can be really blunt here, you know, humans, we typically are interested in things that affect us first and foremost. So the way I navigate this message with companies is I just make it all about them, the the individual. And again, change the narrative. So rather than, you know, fixing customer service or making it about the customer, and this kind of sounds a little counterintuitive, but it's like, actually, this is all about you. You know, let's, let's, let's make sure that you're loving coming to work, enjoying the work you do, that you see it as a joy and not a job, that you feel that you're creating meaning, not just making money. You know, and bring an element of um, some of those things that you know we would we would be um, referring to with like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like let's let's lean into people's sense of belonging, sense of purpose. Let's lean into um, that. How do we evolve and transcend as a human? What do I need in the workplace to feel like I'm adding value and feel like I'm I'm having an impact each day? And so. The narrative with the employees that go on the journey, the learners, if you like, we just make it all about them. This is all about you and making your life easier, making making you happier, making you feel more fulfilled. Oh, and by the way, the person that's going to benefit from this other than you is the customer. And it's almost like the secondary benefit, even though the very the very purpose that we're there to work with behaviours and culture is for the customer. But I think the prescription is let's let's focus on employees. So, you know, it's like if we were to take a take a, a, a selfie, you know, a photo of each other right now before we upload it on social media, I, I will check out myself before I check out you, right? Like we're always interested in what's in it for me. How do I look? What, what am I going to gain? How am I going to? be better by investing time in this program or, or learning these habits. So we've learned to make it all about the individual that's going on the journey and um, really leaning to the benefits and the why of each habit before we get to, and this is how you do it. How have you found technology has played a part in customer service do you find that businesses are realizing that technology is not going to replace humans and they're going back the other way or do you find that increasingly companies are looking at digitization and they're wanting to understand how to overlay that with good old customer service i guess 
what's your view philosophically of the role of technology with customer service? I think we've got to be really careful. I think that it, there's a there's a danger in becoming lazy. I think there's already elements of that being seen in in different industries and um, geographically where people are placed at the moment and the impact that the last 12 months have had on them. You can see lots of new habits forming uh, unintentionally. And I think I'm encouraged and inspired by certainly clients of mine and, and other companies that I speak with who are aware of this and are encouraging wherever possible video cameras on, good old-fashioned pick up the phone, let's have a conversation, or or please God, a face-to-face conversation in some mm. cases, um, given the current times where that seems really challenging in parts of the east coast of Australia right now. So I think that it varies on people's level of awareness and appreciation of how important, you know, that the human side of things are. And look, my, my belief is that, that service is absolutely human. If, if we are employed as humans to serve humans then we've got to harness and nurture those stunning human qualities that we have that no AI kiosk digital platform or robot can replace. I mean, technology is incredibly clever and it's it's absolutely saved me in the last 12 months for many reasons. And yet there's nothing better than being on the, rec- on, on the other end of the phone with a human who really hears you or asks how your family is or, you know, remembers that quirky part of a conversation from a month ago and, and genuinely shows interest and care. Uh, these things, this is, we're wired for connection. This is the stuff that makes us human. And I think that we've got to be very careful not to lose these these soft skills, these skills of the heart that are absolutely driving the emotional connection in customer service. You know, there was a report, RJ, that came out in late 2019 by Deloitte that said in Australia that we have a, a soft skills crisis in this country. So, you know, fast forward 18 months, two years from now, who knows what those stats are? And I'm really keen to track that down because I'm sure a lot has shifted. But they referred to a multi-million dollar gap of the skills of the future that this country needs by 2030 and where we are today. And a lot of those skills were being seeked offshore. And, you know, the the report was incredibly um, informative, you know, and it talked about skills like common sense, good judgment, empathy, um, problem solving. You know, those skills, sense-making, we're intuitive beings. We bring a level of emotional intelligence, social intelligence to conversations. And these are the skills, these are the skills that I'm really dedicated to making sure are not lost um, because service is a balance of logic, data, evidence, and values, heart, emotions. And yeah, I'm I'm determined to make sure that technology supports and enables and complements the great work that we need to do in our businesses. And it's a balance of head and heart, you know. Hey guys, just wanted to take a quick break to thank you for your continued support of the Ultra Habits Show. It's through your support that we've been able to scale this thing so quickly and so strong over the past year. And we're truly grateful 
for your continued support. If you haven't already, please go to www.ultrahabits.co and subscribe. You'll get cool information, insights, and be up to date with everything we're doing. And also, if you haven't, please rate this podcast. The link is in the show notes. When you do this, you help us scale our message of ultra performance, ultimately helping us create more impact with our tribe. Anyways, we're going to leave you back in the hands of our wonderful guest. What's your view then on offshoring customer service? I mean, does it come down to a firm's positioning? Like maybe it's okay for Optus because people have to use Optus or Telstra or like, what's your view on offshoring? And do you think that one can ever raise the competence of an offshored team to the level of a local team? Or do you think customers will always be inherently pissed off that they're talking to someone overseas? What's your view on that? Yeah, I reckon there's a bit of a, there's probably a bit of a hangover and a bit of a um, unhelpful belief by many people that offshore is not going to be as good as local. And yet in many ways, the reality is, is that we're all kind of behaving at the moment like we're anywhere in the world, right? Like we're all having to keep our cultures healthy, check in with our employees from a wellbeing point of view and deliver, you know, world-class customer service from remote locations based on our current situation in Australia. And so I think it's tested us locally about how do we maintain connectivity and connection when we are remote. And maybe more than ever, there's some empathy and maybe more than ever, there's some skills that we've learned um, by default that would help us, you know, achieve some really strong emotional connections from offshore clients or offshore, offshore, um, you know, third party providers or employees. So I would, I reckon right now we're in a space of like, let's test every belief. Like I've been challenged so much in the last 12 months about things that I believe to be true that I just just not and can't be they're not helpful they're not useful anymore because I wouldn't be able to get on with life if I if I held and was attached to some of those beliefs so I feel like at the moment there's a real opportunity to be open-minded and throw everything up in the air and look at things with a possibility mindset but it comes back to some you know some of the philosophy that you and I have been chatting about which is pick up the phone be human have a conversation, listen, be present, ask great questions. And I think we can achieve that wherever we are in the world, whoever we're employed by. Mm. It's an interesting one um, and a view that uh, or conversation that I've had with um, my CEO at Quora because during the first lockdown of COVID, we had a higher turnover of customer service staff than usual. And we believe that given the stress of the role, now we have a lot of females that have kids in our customer service team. So now they've got kids at home and they're managing a stressful role. When you're not in the office and constantly engaged with the culture, it's easy to forget the purpose and the why a little bit. And I tend to agree with my CEO who has the view that you know, you look at the Harvard Business Review, there's articles now about the new norm of working from home and dispersed workplace. I actually am not a massive fan of it because I think it does impact culture. I think it's harder to maintain the cohesiveness and the connection to purpose 
and those relationships that give you fuel when you feel depleted, you know, the banter, the camaraderie that occurs within an office environment. So I think for us, we've noticed that it isn't actually beneficial and that might just be the volatility kind of of what we do. Mm. Um, But I do take your point. I mean, I look at myself and, you know, I find myself getting lazier and having shorter meetings through teams because it enables me to cut to the chase, but I'm not taking the time to have the rapport, the banter that I might've done in person, even with clients. And I love it because I can do more throughout the day, but it also presents technologies for, uh, sorry, it also presents challenges in the sense that be an example, there was a client that we were working on. I was certain that I was going to win the work. We ultimately were line, um, line ball with our competitor and the decision was made to go with our competitor. And I know the decision was made based on the fact that they have physical presence Mm. in Brisbane and the individual in Brisbane was able to meet with the ultimate decision maker. And even though I had better buy-in from the influencers, I never was able to physically meet the decision maker because of COVID. And so you're quite right. Ultimately, technology is an enabler, but human relationship, human interaction, and that trust that occurs from slapping skin, you know, face-to-face, shaking hands, looking each other in the eyes can't be replaced, right? I totally agree with you. And I reckon we've all built a bit of muscle around um, how to how to be better online and, and, and I reckon we're all much better than we were 12 months ago. And still, you can't beat being in a room with someone, feeling that energy, um, pressing the flesh and shaking someone's hand. Um, and, yeah, just allowing some time and space, as you said, to get into rapport, to get into relationship, off agenda, off script. You're one of the most important conversations. I used to always think about, you know, when you'd go to an office and have a meeting with a, with a client in a boardroom, right, and you'd have all the formalities and the conversation, and then you'd leave the boardroom and you'd go to the, the elevator, to the lift, and you're standing there waiting for the lift and there'd be a little bit more banter, a little bit more conversation that's now not so formal and off script. And typically, I used to always think that's actually when the sale happens <laughs> because it's at that point that there might just be one more little insight or one more piece of information or you might say just something that can be key to a decision of yes or no. And we, we're so structured and there's almost like this, like you, I, I really hear what you were saying before about you almost feel like when you jump online just get to the point like we're here to we're here to do stuff we've got a to-do list let's get let's get on with it and it's like yeah where's that connection piece we um we have a rule of thumb with our master classes connection before content and so for the first 15 minutes or so of any master class it's about the humans checking in how you're feeling what are you noticing we do a mindful you know activity or a mindful moment and just just really land and then we get into the conversation about what we're here to do but that takes discipline you know and that takes um a commitment from us as facilitators so i think even if you're if people are listening to this as leaders leading small teams large teams whatever it might be there's an element of 
bringing some structure to these these technical technical um, technical meetings, these online meetings that enable you to keep that connection up um, in lieu of being in, in an office space and having a corridor conversation or a water cooler conversation or making someone a cup of coffee just to say, hey, I care. How are you going? What's going on today? It's just I really hope we don't lose those things, RJ, because to me that's, um, that I, is, is what I feel is very much impacting people right now is though and I don't even know if people are aware of what they're missing out on but I can certainly see it I I think you're in a unique position to because of the changing and disruptive nature of COVID I think a lot of businesses are accepting subpar engagement with their staff and customers and they're like, oh, look, it's okay because the world is chaotic. And I think firms that look at this as an opportunity to leverage good customer service to create a competitive advantage are firms that are going to thrive. And I think you're in a unique position to, to deliver that because it's now about, well, who can find the secret sauce of managing the complexity of COVID whilst being customer centric in a dispersed kind of inconsistent environment and I think the businesses that are thinking about that are in a better place to win in their market so companies that are thinking like this right now in your experience Jackie is there a theme within those organizations are they usually experiencing really bad customer like why do you find people typically come to you is it is customer service core or do they think it's core, but they're not delivering it? Or are they typically businesses with horrible customer service teams? Or are they businesses typically positioned at the premium end of town? Like what's the, do you find themes within the the, 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 the prospective businesses that you deal with? Yeah, I do. And what's really interesting, RJ, is that we're across eight different industries. We were literally working in finance, health, mining and resources, um, right. sports teams, entertainment, retail. So it's it's crazy how diverse these businesses are, and yet they've all got the same challenges that they see and therefore opportunities. So they're all looking for, and I would say this in my language, they're they're all looking for more engaged employees and more loyal customers. That's mm-hmm. like the simplistic, you know, mm-hmm. common thing. What they're charged with whether it's strategically or um organizationally is typically these organizations have got clear strategies or kpis that they know they need to achieve and they're not sure how to do it when it comes to the human part of it so Mm -hmm. the human part of it is that they've got um let's say they've identified in their culture that they're tolerating behaviors and they know what they don't want to just continue to tolerate behaviors. They want to encourage certain behaviors. And so, how do we do that? They ask. Um, they they typically are very good at rules and compliance. And most of the organisations that we work with, they've they've got the the, the competency. They've got the capability. They're, they're incredibly process driven, and. Um, their people are compliant and follow the rules. But there's this common sense 
emotional and social intelligence piece that they're like, we haven't dedicated time to this. We're not developing people in this and we're seeing this is letting us down. How do we address that? And one of the other challenges, which we've kind of touched on already, but it keeps coming up, is the businesses that are coming to us want the whole of the workforce to think service. So just on that, you're not necessarily only engaging the customer service team. Then. No. Okay, right. Not at all. In fact, one of our non-negotiables when we work with businesses is that we start with the CEO and we work through all layers of the business. Just top-down approach. Totally. Yeah. Um, right. Because, you know, imagine being on a customer service team front line and we're, we're following a certain way and that's not being endorsed and supported from head office, for example, or from an executive team. No, no transformation journey is going to stick if, if the leadership team aren't going on a similar journey. So, yeah, it's, it's very much these are the common things, you know, the desire to take everyone on a journey. We want everyone to think more about the customer. We want them to be in their mindset each day. People that are doing administration duties, people that are front, front line. And so it's usually businesses that are looking ahead. They have a plan and a vision they they're proactive in um, we need to do something now for what's coming. I don't think they're necessarily feeling a lot of pain or um, they're broken, but they certainly want to pioneer and be ahead of the game and they want to have a competitive advantage reputationally, financially, and from a customer loyalty point of view. And you know, RG, this stuff takes time. There's there's no magic pill. There's no silver bullet. And so, you know, um, one of our clients that we were talking about before, Alistair, um, the managing director of Teleflex, it's a B2B business. They, they um, sell medical devices to doctors and nurses. So their customers are health, the health sector. Um, you know, he took his team on a service habits journey back in 2018 and he says very calmly that that foundational program was actually what got them through the pandemic when it hit in 2019. And we're now going back to do another round of service habits three years later because things have changed a lot for them and they need to bring this back to front of mind. So I think that companies that lay a strong foundation around behaviour, around language, reset the expectations of how they want all employees to think customer and behave with customer can only set you up for success, particularly when the world is still in a state of flux. And in, in many cases here in Australia, we're still in a state of crisis. No, that's, that's absolutely well said. And um, something that I'm going to talk to you more about offline for our business here, because I think um, even in the kind of SME space, especially in such a volatile industry like logistics, which is essential. Um, we're seeing crisis after crisis with depots being shut because of COVID, uh, more pressure on transport networks, more pressure on my customer service team. It presents an opportunity for us, especially as a non-asset-based non independent provider, but it's also presenting lots of challenges because my team are stressed even more so because we can't actually manage our vendors 
right? We can't go into the depots and, and, and pick, move the stock around because we're an outsourced model. So there's an element of um, opportunity there, but anxiety. And I think what you're talking about and the material you're bringing is more relevant now than ever. So we'll probably start to wrap it up here, Jackie. But what I really want to do is firstly, thank you for coming on to Ultra Habits. You're our first guest to talk about habits within the organizational context. The second question, or the question I have for you is where can our audience find you and learn more about what you do? Thanks, RJ. Well, um, our website, serviceq, the letter q.co, um, there's a whole lot of information there on um, the types of customers that we work with and the programs that we offer. Um, and, yeah, the, the book, Service Habits, um, a little, I'll let you in on a little secret. I, I published that a year ago um, and launched the book in March. Um, mm-hmm. And... It was a pretty. It was pretty poor timing given what was happening in the world, and so um, I've rewritten service habits, and the second edition will be published um, and out for for people to buy in November. And um, the reason I was so determined to rewrite the book a year later is just you know I want to keep it relevant, and I think you know what we've learned even in this conversation today is that you know human behaviour right now is under so much. Um, pressure and society society we're dealing with some strange things when it comes to being a human you know our our behaviors um have been forced to change um in many cases with you know community and society and even going to a supermarket you know like all these things like mask wearings and social distancing and so i i felt that um it was important to update the book given so much has changed in the world. So Service Habits Second Edition will be out in November and um, I'd be really happy to get um, a, a copy to any of, of your listeners and um, mm-hmm. engage in a conversation further with them about that because I, I really believe this is um, not only a great discussion point for businesses for customer service but it can really address employee well-being as well and it's sort of it sort of meets that sweet spot at the moment to help people be more resilient and look after themselves that are um, serving people each day. I 100% agree. And I would add that my view on performance and culture um, is that you want to increase culture, you know, and you want to make happier staff, especially frontline staff. You know, let's move away from the you know those kind of seminars they used to do back in the day and let's give our staff tools that will increase their level of engagement and let's shift the needle on high performance that to me is the answer to apathy right you give tools and educate and skill up your people with tangible stuff they can do in their day Versus the hoo-ha of, you know, bringing an external speaker for a day and rile them up. And then tomorrow they're back in the trenches and realities hit them. They're sitting in front of their desk being screamed at. And I would also add that in a world that's already digitized and becoming increasingly more digitized, the connection between each other is going the other way. Like people are commoditizing 
each other even more so than we probably have, you know, because we're in a technological era. And so I think what you're doing is you've got a cause that is moving us back towards the human element of connection. You walk by someone today on the street because of the pressure of COVID, they may not even look at you. I mean, that was already happening a year or two ago, but now more so with masks on and we're living in a society that's increasingly disconnecting. And what you're doing is you're saying we need to continue to connect and we need to double down on that. And that's what's going to help you beat your competitors. And I think that's really, really important. Yeah, so well said. I mean, I could talk with you for hours because I feel yeah. we've got such a strong alignment on on this. And, you know, that it's all about, you know, I'm just looking at the three words that make up the service habits pillars. It's all about being present with people, being connected and ultimately being kind. And um, my work does never feel like work each day when I get up. I feel like this is this is worth writing about, speaking about, training and educating people about because, um, yeah, I think we all need to remember some of these simple things and not lose sight of what makes us so beautifully, stunningly, uniquely human and hold on to those qualities. And service, it's one of the most incredible ways. It's a privilege, actually. It's one of the most simplistic ways to give that to a human. So I see anyone that's in a role of service, whether it's back of house, front of house, internal, mm. external, we all have an opportunity to make someone feel special and it doesn't need to be hard. No. Well, well said, Jackie. Thank you so much for coming on the Ultra Habits show. We really enjoyed our time, yeah? Thanks so much. Love chatting, RJ. Take care.